The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to At that time, the Lord appointed 72 others, whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. In whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. The 72 returned rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus said, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. <clears throat> the word of the Lord. Thanks be to So I arrived Thursday evening as uh, Father Peter was leaving his rectory and I got, was getting moved in. So the next day the office is closed and then all of a sudden I have Mass Saturday and here I am it's Sunday and so I'm still just trying to get my bearings. So generally I don't use technology to, to, uh, to help me during my, my homilies but today I had to rely on this because I couldn't figure out how to hook my laptop up to the computer or the printer this morning. So anyway. <laughs> Again, I, I appreciate your patience with me as I, as I get started here. One thing, another kind of just a, a funny note that, I, that I'd like to, to point out. This, this week uh, of the liturgical year, the 14th, ordinary and su 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time, it always gives me a little bit of chuckle when I hear the collect, that prayer that I prayed at the very beginning. I'm not sure if you always listen to or, or kind of meditate on the prayers that we pray at different parts of Mass, but there's a really funny term that stood out to me ever since I was a young boy. And it is, it's the phrase that says, O God, who in the abasement of your Son have raised up a fallen world, 
a basement. What does Jesus' basement look like? What does, he, what does he keep in there? I didn't realize that, like, in ancient Palestine or Israel that they had basements. I just assumed, like, he was like, you built your house on the ground, whatever. But apparently, in Jesus' basement, what it says, not in his abasement, but that he became like us in the abasement, that God would become man. That's what abasement means, that he has extreme dignity. And he came to this world, took on human flesh to become just like one of us so that our human nature would be elevated to be just like his, that we would become true sons and daughters of God not just in some cliche way or phrase that we speak about, but that we would truly become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. So what do you find in the basement of Jesus? Well, you find the fruit of such a marvelous act. That's holy joy, eternal gladness. That's the rest of that collect prayer, that those you have freed from slavery will receive eternal joy. Those you have risen up will have eternal gladness. And that theme of joy and gladness runs throughout all of the readings. If you have your Magnificat or the, the uh, or the, uh, what do you call it, the OCP, the Breaking Bread, and you're reading through it with me and with all of us, you can see the word rejoice come up over and over and over. And so we can easily catch on to the theme that the church has put together for this weekend. As we gather together on this holiday weekend, there's a lot of things to be joyful about this wonderful country we live in and all the freedoms we have. But true joy for us as Christians doesn't come in the work of human hands or through any political alignments or anything else along those lines, but true joy comes only from one source, from God himself. And that's the, that central message that we have today. In the gospel, Jesus sends out his 72 disciples. They go out in pairs, to all the towns in which he plans to go himself. So he sends them out there with very specific directions. In some translations or different versions of the gospel, it's really funny some of the directions he gives, but I won't go through that. But it's just, it's amazing because they go out there, they follow his directions, and everything that he said would happen, happens. The demons fled. The sick were cured. People received them with joy, and they were able to proclaim the good news. And then Jesus says something really strange in response when they get back. They come back and they're rejoicing. They're filled with that grace, with that Holy Spirit active in their ministry. And they're rejoicing. And Jesus says to them, I watched Satan fall like lightning from the heavens. Now, that's kind of strange. What did he mean by that? I saw Satan fall like lightning. Some biblical commentators, there's kind of two camps when you, when you ask someone that's a scholar about, about the, the sacred scriptures. One camp says, well, obviously, when these 72 disciples got back and they were filled with all this joy, they were rejoicing, and the, the Lord said this to confirm them in what they had been doing. He said, yeah, I know you're excited. I know you're filled with joy. I even saw Satan fall from heaven. The work you're doing out there in my name has the power to cast him out. And he has no power over this world because of what you're doing in my name. 
So it's an affirmation. But then there's another camp of biblical scholars who would say, well, actually, when he says that Satan fell like lightning from heaven, it was a little warning to the disciples because they had gone out and did all of this work and they had great success. So when they came back rejoicing, our Lord gave them a little warning against the sin of pride, the sin of Satan himself. Because if we remember the, the story of, of Satan, of Lucifer, according to Hebrew tradition and Catholic tradition, he was created good. He was created with all the other angels in heaven. And like all the angels in heaven, including St. Michael, who we pray for his protection and intercession, Lucifer, the light bearer, like lightning, he was given absolute freedom, and he turned that freedom into an opportunity for pride. And it was his pride that he could control and power and do what he wanted and take his freedom into his own hands that led to his fall. And so Jesus was warning the 72 disciples, saying, it's great that you were so successful and that you're full, so full of joy for what's happened. But remember that it's not through your work alone, but through my name that this happened. And if you forget that, perhaps you, like Satan, may fall. Your pride will be your downfall. And so, in either case, the lesson is the same. Whether it's an affirmation or a warning, the lesson for the disciples and for all of us is that God is going to send us forth out into this world, out into this broken world, so full of sorrow, so full of hatred, violence, injustice, all of the things that we can see out there marking our headlines of our newspapers. He sends us out into that to be his emissaries, to be his envoy, to go out into the world and to share his love and his peace and his joy and to bring justice. We are his 72 brothers and sisters. And the lesson is, is that when we go out there, we're not going to be able to do it by ourselves. I cannot be standing here. I would not be standing here without his grace living and operative in my life. Without him first calling me and sending me, I would not be standing here. And so, in that sense, nothing's impossible, with, nothing's possible without God. And anything is possible with God. When we go out there into our lives, into our families, into our workplaces, wherever we're at, we need to take God with us. We need to develop that close and intimate relationship that the disciples shared with Jesus as they traveled the hill countries of Galilee, as they went along the seasides, we, we need to have that sense of closeness to the Lord. Now, all of the saints throughout history have learned this lesson, this, this necessity to be close to Jesus. No matter who your patron is or your favorite, or if you haven't really studied or you've read all the lives of the saints, I challenge you to go and find a saint who had just incredible success throughout their whole life, and never had any kind of trials or sufferings. Is there one? There's a lot of martyrs. There's a lot of people that, ordinary people that lived ordinary lives and did extraordinary things 
through Christ living in them. It was through their intimacy with Christ that he could share with them sufferings and trials throughout their life, whatever it was, that they knew that they couldn't rely on themselves. They had to rely on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, does that sound familiar to any of you? What about the last two years of this pandemic? What about all the social strife that's going on in our cultures? All the injustice, war, for all these things, one thing after another is permitted in a way for us to see that we need to rely on the Lord. We need to draw close to Him. And that's what the saints do. We can look to saints like uh, Blessed Teresa of Calcutta. Look at her. She went about every day singing the praise of God. She would sing hymns and, and songs and prayers of worship while she wiped the foul and festering wounds of lepers, often without any thanks. Those that know her closely know that she actually suffered from a lot of spiritual desolation. But through that all, what gave her the strength, what made her a saint in this church, was her complete and utter reliance on God's grace. She knew that no matter who walked through that door of their care facility that day, that they were Jesus Christ being presented to her, and that through that relationship and that love and that care that she showed forth, she would encounter Christ, she would receive his grace and his Holy Spirit, and be given what she needed to make it through that difficult day. It's an important lesson for all of us, because in our modern, our modern culture, we get, it's so easy, despite what we've been through recently with the pandemic, to get too over-reliant on all of our advances in, that, in technology and science. I mean, look at me up here. I got a, I got a tablet. <laughs> I rely on this. And sometimes we can be tempted, especially the, the young among us who've grown up in this technology world. We have our little cell phone and we can pull up a whole world of information, all kinds of videos, all kinds of resources, all kinds of everything. And it can become for us like a little idol, a little source of joy. This is going to bring me joy. My smart TV will bring me joy. I can stream Netflix and Amazon and Disney Plus and whatever I want, and that can just be my, my security in times of trial. No, Jesus Christ is that security. He's the one. And the easiest way for us as Christians to be centered in that joy, to find true Christian happiness and joy, no matter what trials and struggles come our way, it's really a simple path. It's a little way. Another great saint of our tradition, of our Catholic Church, a relatively modern saint, St. Therese of Lisieux, is a great example for us of this. St. Therese was lived a life, when I read her autobiography, it's like, it's hard to, to like, make, make the, the, to overlap my life onto hers, because she had completely saintly parents, like, three of her sisters entered the convent with her. She was very, surrounded by holiness, but she had a very simple approach and a childlike approach to her relationship with God. And her favorite verse of the whole Bible, she read all the time with her family, the favorite verse that she studied, 
was the verse that we heard from today's first reading from Isaiah. Let me find it in my notes here. As nurslings, you shall be carried in her arms and fondled in her lap. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. The simple little way of St. Therese of Lisieux was that of childlike love for God. And it's an easy image for us to conjure up. We all came from a family. We all had mothers. And no matter what their, whether they were saints or sinners like the rest of us or you know, wherever they came from, that image of resting in your mother's arms is that image that the prophet Isaiah wanted to preach, to proclaim to a people in exile, a people under persecution, a people who were tempted to lose their faith. Isaiah was preaching to the people of Israel and he said, this is what God's love looks like. It looks like a child resting in its mother's arms. And that's why St. Therese loved it so much because it's so simple. She could picture herself in prayer resting in the Lord's arms, being wrapped in his love and supported. And you know, what's interesting about this image for us as well, brothers and sisters, is that it can be a good lesson and an application for us in our daily lives of faith. We all know, and, and I'm sure many of you do, we all know the importance, the necessity of daily prayer in our life. And that can manifest itself in a number of ways. This church is 2,000 years old, and we have many beautiful, pious traditions. The Blessed Rosary. We have the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. We have Novenas. We have the Lord's Prayer, very simple, very beautiful, given to us from the Lord himself. And so often, as Catholics, we fall into these patterns of, of rote prayer. It's just what we've been taught from the days of catechesis when we were kids all the way up to today. It's easy for us to turn to these forms of prayers. But sometimes they just become routine. Sometimes like just coming to Mass just becomes routine. It's just a thing that I do. It's a part of what my identity as a Catholic. So I pray my rosary every day. But how easy it can be to fall into routine and just say the words without meaning what they say. To say the words without even thinking about them. It doesn't even, I mean, I, any of us can recite a Hail Mary out of the drop of a pin. You know, we can, we can do it so easily. But what St. Therese wants to teach us, what the Lord wants to draw us to today, not that any of our rote prayers or our or pious traditions are ineffective or are unworthy, but he wants to draw us into a very close, intimate relationship with himself, like a child in its mother's arms. He wants us to rely on him, just like he told the disciples, in my name you cast it out, demons. Rely on me. He wants us to rely on our mothers. And like a child, I don't know if you've observed this, it's not the same with every child, some are kind of shy, but others, when they're really young to their parents, they'll just say anything, right? 
Mom asks them a question, they're just gonna respond with whatever's on the heart, blank slate. There's complete honesty, total transparency. And it's usually simple. It's not long like this homily. It's, <laughs> it's simple and straight to the point. And God rejoices in that. That's what a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can look like. Yes, pray, pray the rosary. I do every day. Pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Do that. But if you do nothing else, even just five minutes of brutally honest prayer with the Lord, anything, no mask, no hesitancy, no, like a child speaking to their, to their father or their brother or, or their best friend, Jesus, I'm late to work and this traffic is crazy and I'm going to freak out. Lord, my coworker is getting under my nerves and I want to throw a stapler at him. God, I'm so afraid for the future and what it beholds for my mother who's ill. God, I need your assistance. Come to my help. Thank you, Jesus. I woke up today. There's so many just very simple prayers. And every time we turn to the Lord, especially when it's from here, from the heart, without any kind of, any kind of routine or whatever it is. Routines are good. Don't get me wrong. But that simple childlike disposition towards the Lord is going to develop that relationship that you can turn to him in any moment of need. And like a child who relies absolutely on their parents for life and survival and all things, that's the disposition we'll have with Jesus Christ, with God our Father, with the Holy Spirit. That, yes, we're independent agents and acting out in the world, and we're going to do marvelous and amazing things with his help. With his help. Our names will be written in heaven. With his help, we will cure the sick. We will bring justice to this world. We'll bring peace to the streets of Portland, of Beaverton, of the whole world by transforming ourselves like him into signs of love in this world, channels of grace. Brothers and sisters, that's what it's like to be a Christian. And that's the source of true Christian joy that no person can take away. That no laws, no persecutions, nothing can take from us. That relationship, that personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. Nothing can take that away.